DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life. What am I to do? The discernment of God's will in everyday decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Many thanks, Chris. Many thanks to you in helping us to learn how to hear God's voice, His will, as it were, for our lives in discerning, in particularly, the the big decisions that we have to make. And probably the biggest is, what is the vocation that He's calling us to? Right, the vocation to state of life. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what we were talking about last time we were um, discussing all of this. And we had focused at that point on the situation of the person who, and we're presuming here somebody who loves the Lord Jesus, lives his or her faith well, and really wants to do God's will, and is pretty clear that the Lord is calling him or her to marriage. This person knows, respects, reverences the call to the priesthood and religious life, but personally uh, does not feel any call to that and does feel a very clear call to that vocation which is written into our human nature to um, to marriage, to uh, a spousal relationship, and to bring children into the world. When a person does feel that kind of call to marriage, how should a person proceed? Well, in this case, the discernment is not about the state of life. That's already clear to the person. The mm-hmm. um, discernment is going to be who is the person whom God is, has chosen for my spouse in marriage? Now, a number of things that a person would do in, in this case. We, we were saying last time that the person ideally would be working to deepen his or her sense of marriage as a specifically Christian vocation. It's not just the next thing one does in life. Um, it's not coming out of what we called last time an American consciousness, just shaped by the culture. But this person consciously strives to deepen an understanding of marriage as a call to holiness, as a vocation, as a sacrament, as a response to Christ. And so that could take many different forms of uh, reading these kinds of things or participating in talks or various online ways in which a person do this groups. And then, so Christian formation, deepening the, the Christian formation. They'd also want as helpful to consider deepening their human formation. Uh, are there any areas of where I become anxious or lose patience too quickly or become angry or feel frightened. Uh, and these kinds of things can arise from the many experiences that we go through in life, or going through a family or the different stages in life that we, that we live. Now, a certain amount of these kinds of struggle, that's just being human. That's the human situation. And we're all called always to grow in human maturity, to become increasingly virtuous and humanly mature human beings, men and women. But I would say particularly if a person sense that it's difficult to communicate on a certain level 
or as I said, a person has these kinds of emotional reactions which weigh on a relationship, then anything a person can do to grow simply humanly is going to help the person be available to the, the deep kind of commitment that goes with, with marriage. So it's going to help the person in the process of moving toward marriage and finding the person's spouse. But it's also going to make a very big difference in marriage itself when living together calls for deep communication and sharing on all kinds of levels. And as, as I said last time, I would say again, this is all the more real today because I said with reverence, but we need to recognize that we live in a culture that hurts its children in, in, in many ways um, with the broken families and the many unhappy situations, the college environments and the rest that people can go through as they approach the age when they're now seriously moving toward marriage. And healing can be very blessed, can, can do a great deal to move a person toward that vocation, toward marriage. And then I would say deepening the person's spiritual formation, deepening the person's spiritual life or life of faith, of prayer. And so uh, Mass, uh, certainly obviously on Sundays, perhaps also during the week, if that's possible for a person. Regular practice of the Sacrament of Confession, which is deeply healing for us. Time before the Blessed Sacrament in adoration. Some form of daily prayer, if it's only 10 or 15 minutes, whatever a person is able to do, and that can take different forms. Lexio Divina, Ignatian Meditation, praying the Liturgy of the Hours or a part of it, the Rosary, the Examine Prayer that we've talked about uh, in, other situ- in other settings, and maybe some kind of spiritual guidance or direction if any of that is available. So that the person who is clear about the call toward marriage and is in the process of moving toward a yes to a spouse that will lead to marriage, will will find it very blessed to be deepening his or her life of faith through these classic spiritual means, which make such a difference. Retreats um, can also be a very helpful thing. Right. Having said those things, the person is readied for a healthy and holy process of moving toward meeting, getting to know, and committing to a future spouse. And so here we get into all the issues that have to do with dating and courting, um, and all the many questions that surrounds this. How does a faithful Catholic young man or young woman who wants to live this process in a way that is holy, in a way that uh, is close to Christ, what kind of decisions does a person make about this process? Father Gallagher, should we address before we begin that process the underlying anxiety that this particular generation may be experiencing because of the cultural conditions that exist today in the areas of dating and social interaction. That's such a real issue today, Um, and it arises from what we were just speaking about, that too often our culture hurts its, its members. And because of that, approaching the marriage process between a young man and a young woman can be more complicated today than it was, let's say, in the 1950s, when there were still Mm -hmm. so many social and religious structures in place in our culture. Those have been removed, and in large part. And when those are removed, then um, people people are are wounded, people are hurt in various ways. That's why I took just a moment now to speak about any healing that might be necessary as a person Mm -hmm. wants to approach the um, dating process or the whole process that could lead to choosing and... um, marriage with a spouse. 
So I, I think we do need to be realistic. As you say, Chris, there's an elephant. Let's just get it right out there in the middle of the room and uh, not only get it out there, but recognize that, um, that it's there. I think what a person does is to follow the process that we've been describing, to use all the means for healing and strengthening and growth on these different levels of our humanity, the human and the spiritual, specifically Christian level of our formation, so that the person himself or herself is lessening any obstacles that might be there in his or her um, personal situation from his or her experience you know, through the years of, of life, so that that person is growing increasingly ready to enter into this kind of deep communication that can lead to marriage. That's one thing that we can always do. Uh-huh. And then I think, having done that, the person will take all the active steps that would be normal in this process. And these are the kinds of questions that I just touched on a little bit earlier. You know, what kind of situations are appropriate in dating? What about online, uh, meeting people online and these kinds of questions? And, and there is a good and growing Catholic literature about these kinds of questions today, which can be very helpful for any young man or young woman uh, facing these sorts of things. There, There is wise counsel that is available on um, on these various issues. Different authors will say different things with regard to one or another, but there's a general direction and agreement, I think, can be very helpful to a person in this situation. Now, when a person is doing everything possible to grow personally and is engaging actively in healthy ways in moving toward meeting a future, a potential future spouse, then I think the uncertainty, the doubts, the struggles, sometimes the heartache that can be a part of the process along the way, these simply need to be brought to the Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. With the confidence that the Lord's providence is very real in these difficult times, that the Lord's love for this individual person who is on this journey is very real, very personal, very present, and that he or she is not forgotten uh, in, in the struggles. And I, I think we see so many times uh, as a word of hope, uh, in the kind of reading that I've mentioned, people in this situation will some, find some very helpful counsels on, on not being alone in this. It's a wonderful thing to have spiritual guidance, simply friends who may be on the, on the same journey, um, places where we can gather with people of faith so that there's great strength in not being alone on this journey. Well, Father Gallagher, and also the wonderful counsel that you have given us and and have directed us in prayer in that relationship with Jesus Christ, that we are walking with him through this journey and that we're not alone. No, we're not alone in it. And it's important to say about this discernment for marriage, as we'll say about the other um, discernment between different states of life when we get to that very shortly, Mm -hmm. that if the Lord calls us to a time of discernment, which may be longer than we would wish, I, I'm thinking now of um, of a very beautiful marriage of a, a man and a woman who have eight children, a very a lovely Catholic marriage, but it took about 10 years or so in this situation before that happened, before they finally met and um, and it led to their marriage. Those 10 years or whatever those, that one year or three years or five, whatever that time is, is not outside of God's providence. The the very struggle itself, which brings us to our knees and, and brings us to the Lord in prayer, helps us to recognize our situation as children of a father who depend on him, as the first beatitude says, that poverty in spirit. 
um, will lead us to grow in many ways in our lives so that it's not simply that that difficult period finally leads to a happy conclusion and that part of it is the the grace-filled part the struggle Mm -hmm. itself the process itself is a process in which god is very much at work and if we do live it as you just said chris bringing this to the lord jesus uh, many kinds of growth are going to come in in our lives apart from all of the good that we do along the way a person in that situation can share in the life of the church uh, with greater time and availability in many ways than a marriage a married person might be able to do so there there is heartache in this there is anxiety there is struggle in this and we need to be very very reverent as we approach that it's very real but there is also grace at work and it god's grace works in that period of discernment as well let's take the next step now in this ignatian reflection and consider the person who feels the call to marriage that is built into our humanity but at the same time feels a call and attraction we'll say toward priesthood or religious life to living the consecrated life which obviously will involve a renunciation of marriage so that now we have a person who feels on on the level of discerning the state of life itself by contrast with the person we just considered who simply feels the call to marriage this person feels at the same time, an attraction both to marriage and to the consecrated life in priesthood or religious life. How does this person discern? And this is, above all, the question that St. Ignatius is addressing in the entirety of his spiritual exercises. This is the question, now, his teaching is so rich that it can apply to a broad range of choices in which we're discerning God's will, but this is the primary one that, above all, he has in mind. And as you said, Chris, as we begin, this really is the primary decision itself for all of us in life. Uh Now, what Ignatius did in offering a response to this question was, as he so often did, to be very attentive to what he experienced in himself, in his own spiritual experience, and what he saw in the spiritual experience of the great numbers of people who began coming to him to seek his spiritual help. And out of that distilled three patterns or three ways in which he found the Lord often answered that kind of question. And I'm going to call them three modes. He uses different words for these. In one setting, he calls them three different times, which is a way of saying three different patterns, or as he says in another text, modes. So I'm going to speak of three modes in the way in which God will answer this kind of question. And I'm going to give them these titles. The first I'm going to call Clarity Beyond Doubting. The second, An Attraction of the Heart. And the third, A Preponderance of Reasons. And that's our next task now to explore what St. Ignatius means by these three different modes. Because this, this answers the question that I think is the deepest question that people have in their hearts when they ask for help in discerning God's will in significant choices of these kinds. They do want to know how to proceed. How do I move in a fruitful way toward that discernment? How do I prepare well for it? We've talked about all that. But I think having said that, even more deeply what people are asking is, how will I know that I've heard the Lord's voice? How will I know that I now have the clarity? As, As John tells us in his first chapter, no one has seen God. 
Uh-huh. Um, we walk by faith and not by fa- I'm sorry, we walk by faith and not by sight, as uh, St. Paul says. How then will I know that I have heard the Lord's voice and I've heard the Lord's will clearly in these kinds of choices? Now, a first way St. Ignatius says in which God will answer that question is just to give a person a clarity that is beyond doubting. The person simply knows in a way that the person can no longer doubt at all that this is what God wants. St. Ignatius gives a couple of biblical examples of that. Uh, He cites the experience of St. Paul on the road to Damascus when he encounters the Lord Jesus in in that powerful way. And something is shown to him there that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is calling him to follow him as his disciple in a very specific ministry. Um, And something in in St. Paul just simply says a deep yes to this. His whole heart, his whole will, his whole being is utterly engaged in a complete yes and assent to what the Lord asks of him. And this is so clear that St. Paul does not minimally doubt it in the experience and never ever through the years of his life will ever be able to even doubt that he heard very clearly what the Lord wanted of him. Another experience of this in the gospel St. Ignatius gives us is the call of of, uh, Matthew, the apostle Matthew, who is seated at the tax collector's bench and Jesus passes by, sees him and calls him to follow him. And again, this is a situation in which St. Ignatius says that Um, Matthew's vocation is shown to him very clearly. His whole being, his will, his heart, every inch of his being says a complete yes to this, is drawn to this. And the call is so clear that Matthew cannot then or ever throughout his life doubt that, that this is, that he's heard the Lord's will clearly, that he's doing the Lord's will in following his, this vocation. Now those are biblical examples of a kind of experience that can happen in a person's life when a person is facing this sort of discernment. Let's look at a few examples of this kind of experience. Um, This is a a woman I'll call Anne, who describes what happened when she made a retreat as a senior in high school, a weekend retreat that was Catholic high school. This was just part of of what the, uh, the sisters did in the year was to have this kind of retreat. And Anne describes how before this time, she'd never ever really thought about religious life as an option. She'd asked, just more out of curiosity, what kind of person it is that could become a sister. And um, when the sister with whom she was speaking uh, concluded by saying, someone like you, you could become a sister, her her silent interior response was, no, never, not, that's just not something I would ever want to do. Uh And the subject came up and it was forgotten, basically. It was not a, um, a significant thing in her um, heart or thoughts as, as time went by. And then this retreat during the her, her year as a senior, it was a Sunday morning as the retreat was in its final hours. And in the retreat house, she had just stopped to make a visit in the chapel. And as she did that, felt something that very powerful go through the entirety of her being. Um, the way she described it, it's like, riding the crest of a wave. You, you just go with it. It's, it's powerful. It pulls you. It draws you. And she said there were no images. There were no words, no arguments, uh, no reasoning process. It just was utterly clear to her that the Lord was calling her to be a sister, to be um, a religious. And not only that, but also the name of the religious community to which the Lord was calling her. 
Mm-hmm. And there, there was deep peace, deep joy in that experience in the chapel. And it was absolutely certain. It was absolutely clear. She simply could not doubt and never would doubt throughout the entirety of her life that she had received the Lord's answer, the Lord's choice as regards her state in life. Um, and that certitude carried her through the whole process of leaving home, entering the religious community, the inevitable times that would be more difficult as the years went by. She went through some difficult years in her late 30s. But through all of this, what sustained her was the clarity that was beyond any kind of doubt. She knew. The struggles were part of the vocation, but as regards the vocation itself, she knew beyond any doubt that the Lord was calling her to be a religious now that that would be again it's holy ground in a, in a, this woman's life uh-huh. but this would be one ex, one example of the kind of response that I'm calling clarity beyond doubting where saint ignatius says god simply makes it so clear that a person doesn't doubt and uh, can never doubt i was speaking with uh, a jesuit priest who is a, a wonderful priest um deceased now a couple of years and he described how um this was in college and it was actually a retreat given by a Jesuit priest to these college students and how moved he was by the way this particular priest spoke and how it led him to prayer and to offering himself to to the Father through Mary and the Lord Jesus and d- described as he spoke about this how he could never doubt the effectiveness of that prayer that the clarity of the call that came to him at that t- at that point and, and in that prayer and a clarity which kept him throughout the uh, over 50 years of his uh, religious life as a Jesuit kept him happy, clear, and committed to his life as um, as a Jesuit. And there are many other experiences that um, we could quote of this kind. But to, to widen the picture a little bit, the experiences of this first mode discernment, where God simply gives a clarity that we that we can we just can't doubt, will not always necessarily be quite as dramatic as Anne's experience where there's a, a, a sort of lightning bolt experience that uh, in, a, in a given moment. There's another pattern in which this first mode can be given. And that is when a person simply finds a, a clarity that is there and gradually takes shape and which a person can never doubt. This is a priest I'll call Father Gary who describes an experience uh, along these lines. Grew up in a very good, strong Catholic family, Catholic school, a good parish. And so faith was just a, a part of his life growing up. It was the air that he that he breathed. And as these years went by in grade school and into high school, it simply became clear to him that the Lord was calling him to be a priest. There was no struggle about it. There was no sense of, uh, of searching and uncertainty. It simply became very clear to him that this is what God wanted. And this is the way he says it. It was just clear to me and has always been clear to me since. I always had great esteem for marriage and my parents were great examples, but I knew that it wasn't my call. I just longed to be a priest and live that life. It was all that I wanted. Uh, and so through college and uh, into seminary. Now here, by by contrast with Anne, whose clarity involved not only the call to religious life, but also the specific community. In uh, Father Gary's case, the clarity was about the call itself to priesthood. 
which still left him with a need to discern where, uh, his diocese or a religious community, and if a religious community, which religious community. And he describes going through that process in the, the last few years before he eventually entered the, um, the diocese, uh, visiting different religious communities, some uh, spiritual guidance from his pastor, going through the normal process that a person does go through to find clarity um, as to where specifically the Lord is calling him to be a priest. And this is how he concludes his description of this experience. Well, it talks about a day when he was about to become be ordained a deacon, which is the definitive commitment for, for priesthood, uh, the lifelong commitment to celibacy and all that goes with priesthood, and making a retreat beforehand, and the retreat director suggesting that he consider seriously in this retreat. It was a serious commitment. Did God really want this? And knowing in his heart that there really was nothing more to consider, uh, very willing to pray, but knowing that it was clear and had long been clear in his heart. And he writes this, it had always been clear. It still is today, after so many years of priesthood. I've never doubted this call, and I can't doubt it. I've always been grateful to God for that. Right. This is a first way, then, in which God may answer the quest for his will in such situations of discernment, when he gives a clarity that simply a person cannot doubt. Now, if anyone is listening as we're as I'm describing this and, and is saying that's a beautiful thing, but I can't say that I have had that kind of experience in my discernment, mm-hmm. then let's reverence that, because St. Ignatius knows that God doesn't always choose to give his answer in this way. And he has, he'll describe two other modes or patterns of ways in which God does answer this question. But it's helpful for us to know that this is one way in which God may choose to answer this. As you've said, Father Gallagher, there are yet two other ways, but unfortunately we're out of time in this particular conversation to be able to address those. Any final thoughts? I think one of the great contributions St. Ignatius makes is to take a person who is facing a discernment of this kind and doesn't really know how to proceed or how to even begin to look for the answer and to provide this kind of very concrete clarity. And um, that does a lot in itself to, to lift some of the anxiety that can go along with this process and opens us up to hear the Lord's response in the way that the Lord will give it and blessings will come of that. A resource that can be offered by a good spiritual director or a spiritual friend and a wise companion can really be beneficial. That's going to be the first thing we say when we resume. (laughs) Absolutely right. (laughs) Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher.